Hello and welcome to the Football Babble. Just a podcast this week because Tony, myself, and Brett on tonight. Um, the rest of the lads are unavailable. Uh, Steve's off on holidays. Paddy's finishing off his course, and Johnny's currently heading to Brighton to take on the whole of Brighton squad because they've ruined Arsenal's Champions League chances. But here it is what it is. Um, so yeah, it's myself and Brent. We're going to be on tonight. We're going to chat about the weekend's football. Uh, what went on in the golf? Because uh, obviously, I think I think we should talk about it because us two especially were watching it last night, um, and the bits and pieces that went on. So, like, I don't know, Brent. Was there a match on in the Premier League yesterday? It seemed to grip the whole of the world football. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't know. Was it what? Was it a good game? I don't. When is it not? Um, it, it, Can I ask you as, as as the yeah. as the sort of neutral? I know you're not really neutral in those games, but for the listeners, um, you're neutral. Like it, for me, watching obviously, I'm on one side of it, so it's it's a nightmare. But is it as good as people say? Yeah, it is. Um, I that I don't think the whole the whole conversation was because they always have to have to build it up somehow. And they have to come up with a narrative um, before the game. And obviously, you know, it's uh, there's one point between the two teams at the top of the league. Like, you, you don't really need to create a, another story around it. But the whole thing, obviously, when Carragher knew what he was doing, like, obviously came out and said it was the greatest rivalry in the history of, of the Premier League. I think that's what he said, isn't it? Um, Something like that, yeah. He kind of said in the history of football or something stupid, but um, I, I don't see why he needed to say that or or why that's um, why that's a big deal. Like I think it was it was a big enough game and a big enough occasion on its own um, to even you know bring that up. Um, I think. It's quite clear that these two teams have been the best two individual teams for the last number of years. Um and suppose sitting sitting watching it as a Chelsea fan, it's a it's a you know it's another perspective because I think there's I was talking about it that during the game that I think it's so clear that these two are better than everyone else and then Chelsea are better or slightly better than the rest and then there's a group going for that fourth at the minute um and you can see the it's it's one of those ones where the table doesn't obviously lie and you can see that the quality just go up a wee bit every time and it goes up um it goes up quite a bit when you when when I'm used to watching you know Chelsea week in week out um, and yes, there is a game for for some big teams like both games against Liverpool this year. Um, there is their game, but when these two teams are actually playing each other, it's um, it's just another level. And I think you can see like every little they they both stick they both stick to their um their approach that they always they always stick to yeah and i think that's really really good like you can see there'll be other games where you know a manager can maybe do something tactically 
like we, we saw Tuchel do against Pep in a couple of games last season that maybe outdoes them on the day. Um, but both Klopp and, and Guardiola don't they don't sacrifice a, a way of playing um, ever. And it's it's even more obvious in, in these games where the two of them are playing each other, I think. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. It's uh, we were watching a lot. Me and my dad were watching yesterday, and at the time you're you're screaming at like Allison or the fullbacks, the centre half, or even Fabinho at times to just put it long, like put it long down the channels, and um, because obviously there's that much pressure coming on, and we were only watching it on TV, and those in the, and the fans were were not involved, but Liverpool didn't. They didn't change. They just kept going with it and going with it. And I think over time, City were all like, "Hang on here a minute!" Like, because that's that's what, and we'll get on to Man City in a minute. Because Man City were absolutely amazing. Kevin De Bruyne. Like, I can say it now because we drew to all. That was that was a treat. That was a joy to watch a footballer do that. Like, if I could, if I could have a recording of that when Finn's older and if he wants to play football and he's playing football, I would set him down and say, "Finn, if you're going to play midfield, son, this." <laughs> This is yeah. one of the key men. You should be, like, it, well, Tottenham in a minute was frightening, but Liverpool weren't backing down from it. And you could sort of sense City at times being like, hang on a minute. They're not they're not wilting here. They're not backing down from this. And what City want you to do is they want to press, press you in because then you'll pump it long and they'll get it back straight away. The fullbacks will get it, or the two centre halves and get it and, and recycle the ball straight away. And that's when you're then coming out they'll hit you on the counter or they'll hit it over the top or they'll hit a diagonal or they'll go down one of the lines to Foden or Sterling or whoever's on Mares if he's playing they're in behind the ball's cut back <coughs> pardon me goal but Liverpool didn't didn't stop from their game plan and like there was times in the first half where Alisson was dinking at 20 yards and that was going to Liverpool player but it was what was happening next was not ideal <laughs> but they didn't stop doing it and only now you look at it and you go, well, that's because they just they, they were just so convinced that no, we're going to keep doing this till this works, and it did work. It worked twice, and they scored twice by keeping the ball. Like the first goal, and we are plus me. We're going to focus on a lot on how good Man City were in a minute. But the first goal from Liverpool, uh, the Jota goal, is so well worked passing wise. But the second one. Comes from the back. Trent spins the ball around. Bang on the Salah. Salah one touch. Bang through to Mane. Two all. Like it was, pass, that was it. frightening. Like it was for all. And and again, I'm not being biased. Man City were amazing. Were amazing. But for all the talking being amazing, the two best goals scored yesterday were by Liverpool. Do you know, what I mean? and it was by Liverpool playing through them. You know, it wasn't by Liverpool like being just because Liverpool. People focus on Liverpool's. Two wide forwards anyway, whoever it is. Power and strength and speed coming through. Bang, can't get near them. Goal, blitz you. But it wasn't that. It was possession, football, one, two, bang, bang. Away it goes and it's through. It was, it was like, just to be, I was talking about this today to people, like, to, to be a fan of one of those two teams and be involved in a game of that high quality, in my opinion, is it, we're lucky. Put it that way. Do you know what I mean? We are lucky and... Uh, like the comparisons, the Man United and and Arsenal, that rivalry was completely different because, hey, uh, very good footballer still, obviously, but there was so much needle in that rivalry, and it was all about the needle. It was all about the, 
Keown and Restaurant of the Bait. It was about pizza being lobbed at Ferguson. It was about the two managers constantly in the press every week having a go at each other. This week, Klopp stopped the journalist from trying to cause needles between Klopp and Pep by talking about Pep saying about being an overthinker. And Klopp was all like, you know he's being ironic. Please tell me you know he's been there. And he, st- and he cut it down completely. You saw how much the two of them, I think they hugged about four times yesterday during the game. <laughs> and then afterwards, Kevin De Bruyne and Van Dyke's children are best mates at school. They were chatting in the game afterwards. Robertson Foden had a massive love session at the end of the game, hugging each other. There's not that there. And, and I actually enjoy it, not being there. Do you know what I mean? I, I like that side of it because there's a respect. Now, we play each other on Saturday. Won't be watching it because the FA Cup is not doing it. And then we could face each other potentially in a Champions League final. That friendliness mightn't be there then. But yeah, just on the game as a whole, just to watch it was... And I'll tell you what, people, folks, listeners in Brenton, before the game I was texting Brenton yesterday morning, it felt fine. And then I have never felt sickness like it. Honestly, <laughs> I have never felt sickness like it. I could hardly speak. There was a moment in the game yesterday. I'm not sure if it was no oh, doggies barking there. I'm not sure if it was um Mares running through or no, it was it was Grealish was breaking through and Madip put out the big go go gadget legs and stopped them. And I had like an outer body experience because I thought Grealish was gonna skip through here and that was gonna be it. And like time froze. Time for, and then Madip arrived around nowhere. It was hectic, it was it was hundred and ten mile an hour the whole game and one thing I will say, and we'll touch on City stuff now, all the talk of how brilliant they were, and we're going to talk about how brilliant they were and how hard they are to play against. Pep said afterwards we didn't kill them off, right? Now, there's two ways to look at that. You can look at that and say what people might, people look at it two ways anyway. That's Pep saying, oh, we, Liverpool know we had them, right? Which is fair. Mm-hmm. Or, the way I would like to look at it in my Liverpool bass is you chucked everything at us and you couldn't beat us. And they did. Mm. They did. They were absolutely amazing at times. They chucked everything at Liverpool. They didn't beat Liverpool. And Liverpool didn't chuck everything at them. Certainly not that first half an hour. But Nike passed the ball out instead of passing straight to Robertson. I was like, hang on here. Something, something's not right. You know what I mean? They didn't. And, yeah. and that's why I think come Saturday, come whatever, I think Liverpool know now that if they just play between the lines, like what Klopp wanted to do when they did do it, was Salah was amazing at that in the second half, so was Mane. And they picked City apart. Jota should have scored as well. That's a different game. We go up, we go in the lead. Man City did have great chances afterwards, don't get me wrong, but then I think Liverpool showed that as as great as City can play, Liverpool can play that too. And Saturday and the FA Cup semi-final could be absolutely amazing. It could be, it could be unbelievable. It could be such an unbelievable game of football again. I, I think, <clears throat> I think just when you're, um, <clears throat> we're touching on that. Sorry, my COVID is still obviously hanging around. Um, <laughs> when you were touching on the overthinker thing um, in relation to Klopp, <clears throat> I think it was one of the games that Pep didn't overthink it. Where he kind of made it, um, <clears throat> he made it very simple in terms of Liverpool play a high line. I'm gonna play yeah. fast players, and I'm gonna play my creative midfielders who can play passes. And you know, you could see how 
how it worked and how easy that is just be, like him using his world-class players just to be world-class if you know what i mean instead of like him trying to you know do something tactical or you know um change the system slightly or, or play somebody out of position maybe um <clears throat> to try and have an influence on the game whereas probably in that way i'm not saying you know he's looking at clap all the time but you know trying to just do what clap does obviously it's not just simple what clap does but to to first of all to drill your players with that system which which he's done now obviously for years at liverpool but once you're in that position which which both of those teams are to just let it happen you know yeah. and to, to let those players play like they do like like week in week out uh and i thought that was the same with Klopp, the way he played um the way he played salah mane and and jada um because i think i don't know if it surprised you or not the the, the front three but I, I really thought diaz would get a shout um and i was calling for him at halftime as well um and then, yeah, I'd, I'd like to offer my sincere apologies to Sadio Mane <laughs> for asking for him to be subbed and for Trent Alexander-Arnold for asking him to be subbed um, at halftime. Shut up, Phil. Um, but yeah, so Jota scored. Jota has got <clears throat> humongous goals for us this season. That's United. Chelsea, did he score against? Uh, United, Chelsea. Did he score a header against Chelsea? Arsenal, Never. yeah. United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, um, and now Man City. And um, there's been other ones. Very good. Um, he's he's excellent at that. But I thought yesterday, I actually think yesterday <clears throat> it would have been Firmino for me. Um, would have been the one in. Would have went back to the old trusted trade and trusted three, and then Diaz would have been my first sub on certainly. Uh, I think Diaz might start <laughs> though on. Saturday, I also Saturday. think the midfield will change. I think Naby Keita will probably come in because when he came on, he's get past. I know De Bruyne and, and Silva, I think, and whoever else would have been tired, don't get me wrong, but he's get past them and he was away. And he can do that a little bit better than, than like Sir Henderson and, and what can. So I think Naby Keita is a good chance for Saturday going forward. But um, yeah, it, like I, I thought Pep starting Gabriel Jesus was Pep overthinking it. Pep trying something different when his team had won like. 12 on the bounce or something doing what they were doing but it proved <clears throat> a brilliant stroke because I actually thought Gabriel Jesus was was brilliant yesterday yeah. I thought he was superb yeah. I thought he was one of their best players out of himself Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva I thought um, those three were he seems brilliant. to play the big Excellent. games he does yeah he, and he, like he, look, he trusts him in the big games he does and, and Gabriel Jesus seems to get a bit of a rep like they're always being touted. City is looking for a striker, which is, you know, and they will be. They'll probably go for Hal in the summer, and that's fair enough. But I think he gets a real bad touch, Jesus. Like, I, like if Liverpool yeah. signed him in the summer, I'd be happy. I'd be very happy. Liverpool <laughs> signed him somewhere. Like, the, the reason why I was so annoyed at Trent was not because I, Trent Alexander Arnold debate that he can't defend is born. It really is. Um, Liverpool, I think, have conceded the less. They've conceded. They've more clean sheets than they've conceded goals this year. So, I mean, if he can't defend, I, okay. Um, yesterday he got 
double teamed a lot because I think Henderson was poor yesterday, but only because, as you pointed to me, he's, he was basically playing as a striker at some times. He was leading the press. Yeah. And that left him out of position then. It left Trent on his own with Cancelo and Foden. I don't care who you are as a, as a player. That's going to be tough because Cancelo's frightening. Like, Cancelo oh. is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I have watched City a few times. Sometimes I don't like watching them because I don't like to see how good they are because it worries me. But you could not yesterday, obviously. And like, Cancelo, <laughs> that, he is Juventus ready. World class. Oh my God. He, world class. he is ridiculous. And then you obviously fill Foden. And I thought, like, first half, when Liverpool were shaky, yes, trying to get the ball away a few times, but defensively, like, he got a few touches on blocks and balls went out for corners. Foden didn't do anything in the second half. Trent clamped him down in the second half, and Trent had the ball in that set off the goal for Mane, and I thought Trent was very good. The one thing I was really annoyed at Trent, as and you know this because I was texting, he was falling asleep through the Jesus goal. Yeah. And yes, he's playing the offside line, which Liverpool have been amazing at. I know Jermaine Genius was saying we're getting lucky. Um, I think I matched the day last night. You can't get lucky 124 times, Jermaine. No, that, that's actually called defending well and learning the offside trap. You should probably look it up. Um, but Trent just, he thinks they're going to be offside, so he stops. Yeah. Don't stop. Just keep, like, I was so annoyed that he just gave up. It was really fuming. Just, just keep going. Like, just keep rolling in with the ball and following Jesus in. But he didn't, and Jesus took his goal. I know Alisson got a touch on it, but took his goal well. That was the thing I was most annoyed with Trent. He just looked a bit off, but he came out second half, and he was just different. He was class. Um, but on Man City, like, wow. Uh, what do you, like, if they get Haaland in the summer, we're all fucked. Like we're all, we're uh, yeah. all, if they get Haaland and they keep De Bruyne and they keep Bernardo Silva and and um, Rodri as well, never gets mentioned. Frightening. They keep on him and the Cancelo and like I know I slated Kyle Walker, but um, if Diaz to come rabbit. back in, Ederson, Ederson has no heart. He's no pulse, which is me- mental. I don't know how he functions. Like. This is why that I, one I, did, I didn't this... understand why that happened. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like my brain still probably can't really process it. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think he knew Jota was there. I, I genuinely don't think he knew he was there at the time. I don't think he did. But if he did, then that's just mental. Um, but there's a lot of moments where he just was just not phased. Uh, I know the ball's underneath him for Jota's shot, but it was close range. But that city side, like, and this is why, like, as even last year. It's not spoken about enough, but even Chelsea beating them in the Champions League final and shutting mm. them down in the Champions League final is one of Chelsea's greatest. I know it's obviously one of their greatest because they won the European Cup, the Champions League, but on a standalone, just that's one of Chelsea's best ever performances. I don't care what anyone says; they shut that city side down, shut them down <laughs> completely, like can't they? And the boys just nullified it, nullified yeah. them. That, that, um, that's. You you watch them as you say, like when you do watch them, <clears throat> when you're forced to watch them, basically, um, they they are you just see it's like when people talk about waves of attacks, like that's that reminds me of Man City. It is wave after wave after wave, and the thing about <clears throat> basically every other team in the Premier League, um, apart from Liverpool, is that when city do um 
you know, approach it like the waves of attacks and then they lose the ball and then they get it back because teams are clearing it, you know, long ball. That's why they can just keep grinding you mm. and keep grinding that's you down. That's what they want. That's, and, that's what they're and, trying to do. And that's why it was so important for Liverpool not to do that. And the the difference I saw in City yesterday was they recognised both of they both know probably know each other so well by now, but you know, City recognized that a club team are gonna be so high, they're gonna push on to City and in you know the front three are gonna push on in the midfield. And as I said, you I would mention Henderson, he was the half man a lot of the times when when one of the yep. center halves were, were picking it up. And so yesterday was a time when I saw City play long balls more than mm-hmm. i've ever probably seen them play them and i'm saying long balls they were targeted switches of play really um but you don't see it that often it, you you see the um you know the um wing back switch of player that liverpool do and how effective that can be and how it can get them in behind with the, with their pace and the accuracy especially of transpassing um but the amount of times that even Walker and and Cancelo and and even the center halves were were pinging passes, you know, especially in the first half over Trent's head to try and get them in behind that way, and they targeted Robertson too, probably, um, because Jesus was surprisingly good in the air against Robertson, and it's class, uh, class. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure, like, if I would have even called that as, as being a thing you know what i mean like before the game it's it's um it was clever and they're gonna have to find different ways to like even we things like that to try and nullify one another and it's just it's so you know if you like football it's just so interesting to watch even if you're not a fan of those two teams i th- i think there's something like there's been something like 500 or whatever points up for grabs between the for the two sides <clears> over the last <throat> four years and there's only one point between the two of them. That's insane. Like, that's actually that's absolutely. And I know some. I can hear Steve saying, "Yeah, but there's three uh, Premier League titles for City and one for Liverpool." And, and people, and I get that. I totally get that. Don't get me wrong. But that is that is an insane rivalry. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, what you're seeing, and you're right. Like yesterday, for instance, they kept City kept doubling up on both Liverpool's fullbacks, and they kept. Tripling up on Fabinho. Fabinho didn't get a minute. Didn't yeah. get a minute. And Liverpool used to do this on Fernandinho. It was actually Phil Green that I was talking to earlier. Hello, Phil, listener, and a brilliant, brilliant lad. Um, we were chatting about it earlier, and and like Liverpool used to do that. Um, on Firmino, or Firmino used to do that on Fernandinho. Liverpool used to put Firmino on Fernandinho, and he'd nullify him then. Like Fernandinho would be nullified, and he was such a pivotal player because he would have stopped things and, and done brilliant things for City, but he, he didn't know what to do because Firmino was just constantly filling his space. Whereas yesterday, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling, Rodri, anytime they were just round uh, Jesus, they were just round Fabinho, round him. And I thought Thiago was our best midfielder by a mile. Yesterday, I thought he was excellent at times, especially with some of the diagonal balls, some of the passes to get out in between, that's what I'm talking about, to get in between the lines, in between the spaces. Yeah. Liverpool were very, very good. That's where they got their goals from, when they played in between there. Now, they only got two goals. They played in between a couple of times. Jada was through it once as well in the end of the first half, didn't pass to Salah. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? He tried to go mm. himself. Um, he just sort of ran out of ran out of room just and, and ran out of puff like, and he just he just had passes across whatever. But yeah, City they're double teaming and, and like Jesus as well was going way out wide at times. Yeah, hanging almost on the touchline, and then Robertson was having to come across, and then at the start of the match, I think Liverpool looking like they're going to be defending, 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 and then next thing, Robertson and Trent were the two highest players. <laughs> You're like, uh, what? Do you know what I mean? It's like, all right, reckless abandonment. Fuck it, let's go with it. And like we, as fell off, he's in the three at the back podcast, folks. You want to check it out? It's brilliant. Um, we were chatting about it today, and it's just like. As Klopp said, it was like two boxers going at each other, and City were the one with all the technical <laughs> flair and the ability, and Liverpool were just the counter puncher that was just hanging in there, and then bang, and like it, I, I don't know, both it, it was just a stunning. It's been a brilliant rivalry. It's been horrible too because you want to beat them, um, but it is getting to the point now where the games are of such high quality that you just you're gonna look back on this and be like, Fuck, do you remember those? Remember the games though. That's what these this red will be remembered for, I think, will be yeah. the games and the quality of the games rather than and I'm not saying which is better, but rather than what happened around the games, you know what I mean? Or sort of off the ball incidents or whatever, or rivalries or heated with Keane and Vieira and the tunnel and all this hair crack, which is which is great great too. But the, I think this red will be known for that. But yeah, I, I, it's gonna be interesting Saturday. But if we get each other in the Champions League final, I don't know how I'll cope. Because both teams just looked like they were going to score every time they got near it, and some of the, some of my favourite moments yesterday were when Liverpool did something defensively. Like, this has happened a couple of times now, especially this season. Sterling just gave up when he when he saw Van Dijk was there, <laughs> which is so like. Yeah. And, and I I have a lot of time for Raheem Sterling. I still like I if Liverpool sign Raheem Sterling in the morning, everyone knows Liverpool fans would be buzzing. I really would. I think Klopp was Sterling for a couple of years would be ridiculous. And Sterling was taking him on, and then Van Dijk more or less just goes, well, come on then. And he just stopped. <laughs> and Van Dijk just took it off him and rolled it a yard to Trent Alexander-Arnold, who then passed it in between two City attackers to Fabinho. I almost passed out. And then away they went. It was just, um, it was brilliant. But, like, the Cup semi-final on Saturday, you're the neutral. How do you see that going? Who wins it? Well, it can't be a draw this time, as as was said in commentary. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's really interesting to see um, the team selections. I think, like whether the especially City, because it, it's it's a it's a one off for them. I think Liverpool yesterday were more. Um, Certainly, when they went behind, anyway, and realized like, okay, we need to we need to stop it up here. They just kind of threw everything at it, and just um, as you say, like suddenly Trent and, and Robbo were like two furthest forward players, um, and I think City they probably could be more aggressive in their selection maybe on Saturday, um, and. I think it'll probably I think it'll probably go to extra time and potentially penalties. Like I think these teams have ways of even it may even be psychologically cancelling each other out. Once then you know one never seems to go far enough ahead um, in a game, or 
it never looks like one of them is far enough ahead because of the sheer amount of talent that is available on both sides. Um, I, I think <clears throat> if if Salah gets like a hold of the game, or like De Bruyne gets a hold of the game, I don't. I, I think De Bruyne definitely threatened it in the first like twenty minutes yesterday. He looked as if he was gonna completely overrun it. He he didn't end up doing that. Um, but he, we, you know, we both know he's very capable of doing it. Um, <laughs> I, I think if one of them, you know, comes out, and I think it's more likely to be Liverpool, um, because as you say, they they know now that they they can do that, and you know they can basically they can deal with everything Man City have to throw at them, because. You know they they did that in the especially in the first half yesterday, um. So, you know if they I, come out and do that, but you know I mean in their, I'm not saying they were, I don't know what it was, but it was almost as if they were like shell shocked in the first like five ten minutes Liverpool and it and was shell shocked. It was completely yeah. stunned. It was like a stun grenade gone off. Yeah, and I think if like if. Because the game was so close, because the league game was so close, they're like used to seeing those players. They're used to, you know, what Man City are going to do. They, they obviously know each other both so well. If Liverpool come out like a hundred mile an hour, because um, I think it was a character said that you know they haven't had great starts in the last sort of while, um, mm-hmm. and the nature of a cup game is just like a one-off, like just go out and do it. Like I think that could suit Liverpool if they. If they come out and approach it that way from from the first whistle, I think before I mention the cup, I think <clears throat> as well I wanted to talk about this, and I know we've a, I think we've a couple of questions or a question definitely on yesterday. Oh, I think yeah. the Mares miss might come back and haunt Man City in the long run. In the running, it just so this happened in uh, against Barcelona. I don't know if you remember this, but in the, in the first leg when they were three 0 up, Dembele was through, and he fluffed his lines. Should have could have made it four, and that's like four 0 And he, he's one. I think did he sky it or something or no? Dallas not save it. I think oh, I can't remember. But he fluffed that. his lines anyway. Yesterday, Mares is through, cut, cuts inside. All he has to do is beat. Allison, but Allison, I know Johnny was saying earlier in our WhatsApp group, Allison's come out, so he's cut the angle way down. So Maris has really only other options to try and chip him or try and do something. Matta blocks it. Do you know? Last kick of the game, ball goes out. If they score there, league's over, really. Everyone's saying it's four points. You don't know how Liverpool have to, they have to drop two games for everyone to come after them. That happens. I just think moments like this happen. Do you know what I mean? Where you just they look back on and go, and I think that could come back and haunt them. On to Saturday. Um, I don't think this will happen, but it is. We're coming into Divock Origi season, son. <laughs> and he's been kept out of the team for a wee while. He's been kept, you know, they haven't wrapped up. They have him in a cryo chamber about to break him out and unleash him. Um, so I was talking to the actually Phil still again today. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he was unleashed on Saturday in, an F- in the FA Cup semi-final and maybe someone else was maybe on the bench or whatever, just to put him down the middle. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because Klopp loves doing that. And um, we know Divock is one for the big goals. And he hasn't had one against Man City yet. So 
Um, we'll see. But if it, if it is, if Klopp does go struggles, <coughs> I think, as I said, I think Naby Keita will start. Wouldn't be surprised if there was a change at centre-half just for Saturday. Um, and I think it'll I think it'll be Diaz for Jada with Mane and and Salah. Mane through the middle. Mane through the middle. Yeah, Mane was excellent yesterday. He was immense. Um, especially the second half. He was so so good. Really stood up and took his goal so well. Oh, um, he took his goal so yeah. well. I think I, oh. I made it uh, like based on his um you know his work for his nation and um He's having one, sir. Re- recent Liverpool games, like <laughs> I might owe him an apology. Um, <laughs> I think, I think we just, all do, yeah, yeah. Um, or else I don't know. Maybe like he's just come into form and he and he was out of form. He was missing a lot of chances, like early on. Maybe he's listening to so, the pod. Yeah, that's um, probably actually what it is. Now to think about it, um, right, Sadie, but, mate? Yeah, um, we did have a few questions um, on this game before we move on. Um, one that you know we can. We can go straight to you for this one. Is the um, is the centre back um, question mm-hmm. at, at Liverpool? And do you think Liverpool high line suits Gomez better with his pace rather than Matip? It's a good. It's a that great from, question. That was from Mike Holt. Uh, going yeah. to the match podcast. If you haven't checked it out, please do. Um, I'll try and post a link for it too later because it's one of the best. I'm not just saying that because he's had clips of me on it. Um. No, I think I know. I know where Mike's getting at here, and obviously Mike's huge red. He's going to the cup semi final. He's going to the yeah the game at Wednesday night. He's in the cup for it, I think. Um, no, I don't. I think Liverpool have designed this high line because they've looked at the centre halves they have. Um, I know Mata. People think he is slower, but there is still pace there with Mata. Plus, he's very, very clever. Football intelligence is brilliant. Now you're going to laugh at me, Brenton, but I. There's an argument for Matt to be Liverpool's player of the season. There's an argument for him to be in the player of the year uh, conversation. If you look back at what he's done this year and how well he's played, especially in the big games that he's played in, he's he's been absolutely immense at times. Um, so I don't rarely get it. Rarely get it. Like um, yeah. Diaz, obviously, last year, but he, he's he has been immense, Joe Matt. And um, no, I don't think I don't think it better suits per se Gomez just. Because Gomez has the pace, I think Madup's more. He's longer than tooth, obviously, but he's definitely more intelligent as a defender. Gomez still a brilliant defender. He's just been unlucky, Gomez, with those injuries, and then Canada's come in and been brilliant as well in some games. Um, and he's still very young, but no, I think as well with a high line. Like Liverpool's high line relies on the two centre halves. It's a different. It's a weird one. It doesn't like it doesn't rely on the back four because should the two full backs are most of the yeah. time they're up front. So you the the margin of error is shorter then when you only two bodies to really worry about. Um and those two Van Dyke and and Madap have it down to a T. I think they're Liverpool's best partnership, to be honest. Like I they really know do. each other so well, don't they? So well and you've saw like when it's been a mixture and the two young lads have been in with the two senior lads, it's been great too. Like I know Canada had that moment against Benfica, but apart from that, I thought he was excellent as well at times. And, I, and he is still a baby, like so it'll come for him. But no, I, I know I know what Mike's saying because of Gomez's pace is brilliant. That's Gomez, one of Gomez's best attributes. But Madup gets himself in great positions where he can cover that. And then you saw yesterday Grealish coming through right on the, <laughs> the line 
and Matip just sticks out the big go-go gadget legs, wins the ball back and plays it forward. So I don't think it would be better suited to Joe Gomez because I, I think Matip just reads the game better, if I'm honest. But it's a great question. Yeah, yeah, that, I thought that was a great question too. Um, <clears throat> we, we also did have a... Um, I don't know if there was too many incidents during the game. Thiago probably um, with his his yellow card. He he was aggressive, Thiago, which um, yesterday in in a good way. I mean, um, yeah. Do you think he he could have had two yellows? And and also, I think we got a question about Fabinho maybe possibly getting sent off. Um, I, this is going to sound very cement. I actually think Anthony Taylor refereed the game very well yesterday hmm. like there's one instance where <laughs> the ball went out for a corner uh var looked at it for a possible penalty because it hit oh, the port yeah. and uh taylor gave a goal kick and i thought that was mental yeah. um but apart from that i thought he did um i thought he was fair for liverpool i mean maybe people say he was too fair because tiago had three tackles <clears throat> The first one is the, is his first one, and, and whatever way the referee looks at him, he pleads and he doesn't get a booking. And then about five minutes later, he empties. Um, I think it is De Bruyne again, and that's fair enough. The second one, he actually gets fouled, and I think he knows he's fouled before, so he just takes De Bruyne out, which uh, he was quite lucky with, I think, because he's quite high in De Bruyne's shin, and thankfully De Bruyne got up and Thiago lay down. But I think he knows he's fouled, so it's it's cynical, definitely, from Thiago. On the Fabinho one, um, I was worried when I saw that because of the way the they had Silva's angle bent. Now, I'd have given Fabinho a man of the match for doing that tackle, but I don't want to get himself in trouble. Um, but, yeah, I was worried when that happened. And um, I didn't actually... I thought City would have been all over the referee more mm. pushing for it. I think, I think Rodri kinda, did. Rodri did, like and the then... Skies. Yeah, wasn't it? There was Rodri. a lot of legs in there. Yeah, and and Rodri, Rodri was asking for, it and Van Dijk told him to politely behave himself. And then, um, the two of them—that was really the only thing. The rest of the lads weren't really getting involved, which again shows how this there wasn't the needle in that in the rivalry yet. But, I, I no, I think Fabinho was lucky, and I think Thiago was just on the edge because he was fouled beforehand. That's the reason why he threw himself. Um, at the Brown, I think Taylor was was sensible there. I was like, well, actually, he was filed first, and um, so this is what happened. So, no, I think that was grand. Um, but I do, yeah, I do. <coughs> I just think yesterday Fabinho didn't have his best of games, and it was just pure frustration in the end to come out and he does catch he catches Silva too high in the ankle bend. It's it's horrible look at in slow motion, but um, yes, thankfully he wasn't sent off, so he's still available. I think it, it it's good that there was no sentence off. And I think there was nothing, you know, there basically there was no decisions that the managers like brought up, you know, after the game. Like no, you, you no. know that it's like you know that it's like a big mistake or like you know, one of them if one of them's gonna bring it up as a point, like especially if they haven't won yeah. the game. Like um, even the VAR, uh, like the VAR goal, like Nobody complained about it. I know you've seen people on fans that complain, but they don't count in this yeah. context because you know everybody loses their head. But um, everybody's like, "Oh, fair enough." 
he he's just offside. It's it's the rules mad like, but he's he's just offside and and that's that. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't want I didn't want it to be left up to refereeing decision because that adds to the shade about it then as well. You'd rather have been settled on the pitch. So, no, can't complain. Thought Anthony Taylor was good for once again for Liverpool. Everyone will be um, happy. Do, everyone will be happy. We didn't have any more. On that game specifically, um, I don't think on that game specifically. Um, what did we have? We'll rattle well, them out well, now before we talk about. We the did have. Um, we did have um, Mr. Douglas um, saying, "Is Pep the biggest fraud you've ever seen?" I personally think he's the king of frauds. Cousin Maud there, um, as usual, not behaving himself. Is Pep the biggest fraud? No, I, I don't don't think he is. Um, <laughs> the bald fraud has been known. I, I, Pep, when Pep leaves Man City, I think we'll all go back to appreciating him. Do you know what I mean? It's hard when it's Man City. And, and like we haven't even spoken about it in the podcast yet. We might on Thursday, but there are just Spiegel revelations mm. coming out. Do you not know, good. Not good. Uh, but that's why I'm looking at yesterday, just as looking at the actual players in the pitch rather than what's going on in the background, um, and certainly some elements of the fan base, um, that were assholes yesterday. Obviously, the video's been shared countless times now. And hopefully, that fella gets reprimanded. But um, no, I, I, it's hard. Like Pep, just you just want Pep to fail at Man City because it's Man City. Um, you look at what he did with Bayern. I loved watching that Bayern Munich side too. That Barcelona side was just ridiculous, just stunning. At times, I'd love to see him go into international management and do it um, with a good international side. I know that sounds go and take on uh, the Faroe Islands. No, I'd rather see him go to like Brazil or go to Spain. He probably won't, but go somewhere like that and create a like a stunning. A stunning international side, Do you know that we all just like like that Spain side that everybody buzzed off or teams before that. Like, yeah, the famous Brazil sides, like the one of eighty two or eighty six that should have won the World Cup that didn't. They are amazing. Like the one of seventy in Mexico, that goal. That, um, uh, what do you call him? Luis Alberto. Luis Alberto. Can't remember his second name. Um, scored the the stunning goal in the four 0 against Italy in the World Cup final. You know, I want him to go and create. Something like that internationally leave his mark because you see yesterday when Pep's not focused on some nonsense around the game or he's whatever, and he's just focused on his team playing football. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So no, Jonathan, I wouldn't call him the biggest fraud of all the frauds, but I appreciate the need. Like, <coughs> um, but we'll we'll see anyway. Jonathan will be back on next week. When it's the Arsenal's turn to gun down the Spurs, um, which will be interesting. Um, moving off this game, um, we have talked about it for 45 minutes, just like that. Um, if I suppose we should talk about United, like the, the question is, um, is Who's this Bruno from? Fernandez, it, this is from Patty, Patty V. <laughs> I don't think it's the actual Patty V. Um, maybe it is. I'll be funny. Um, is Bruno Fernandez' form and attitude a concern for United, given he's just signed a new deal? 
Um, good, good question as well. Is a good question. Bruno Fernandez needs Ronaldo to leave, and then Bruno Fernandez can start being Bruno Fernandez again. That matches. That's people don't say that sounds mad, but Ronaldo uh, has hindered, I think, Man United this year. Um, I don't think he's been the off off the pitch. He's probably been absolutely unbelievable for them, uh, shirt sale wise, merchandise wise. Don't get me wrong, but on the pitch, um, they should have they should have built the house around Bruno. Look what he did for the two the year and a bit before that, and they didn't. And he has taken a step back, but I, I think I don't know if it's I don't know if it's an attitude problem. Bruno doesn't. I don't know. He, he doesn't strike me as the type of person that would. Have maybe he did at other clubs. I didn't pay much attention to him, but have that type of an attitude problem. I think it's just more he's just absolute, just totally frustrated at what he sees at Liverpool and Man City. Do you know what I mean? And obviously mm-hmm. Chelsea last year when the Champions League and yeah, they don't get close to it, and it's Manchester United. So um, I don't think that, but it, it is they need to they need to have a summer where not just necessarily a big summer where they have to get big signings in, but they have to have a look and get the right players out, and that they the right manager in now, and Rezo, Steve, and whoever else, um, some of your friends that'll probably kill me in your stag when they hear me say this. If Ten Hag goes to Leipzig, I'm going to die of laughter. My gravestone is going to say "died of laughter." <laughs> If he turns them down, I forgot our two brother-in-laws. Well, your brother and brother, my brother-in-laws. Um, if he turns them down and signs for Leipzig, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm out. I'm done. I'll not be. Able, I'll not be podcast. I'll not be able to podcast for a couple of weeks because I'd get myself in trouble. No one would want to talk, listen or talk to me ever again. It would be absolutely hilarious. But it it also wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because at the minute. United just look like a poison chalice. What they what is like, the problem? They, they look like you know that's that's what I was going to ask you. Like they're they're not going to finish top four. Let you know unless something ridiculous happens with Arsenal and Tottenham. The, the problem at the minute is that they you're no way down. The most important the most important person at your club is the manager. He or she. Male or female, whoever it is, Emma Hayes is the most important person at Chelsea Women's Football Club. Emma Hayes, right? Use her an example. Jurgen Klopp's cool. most important, important, yeah, Thomas Tuchel. Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool, most important. Pep Guardiola, regardless of Kevin De Bruyne's talents, Brown Sullivan, whoever else, Pep Guardiola is the most important person in that football club, right? At Manchester United, they had Alex Ferguson, arguably the greatest Premier League manager. Um, We've ever seen one of the greatest of all time, whatever. Um, and he was the most important person at that football club by a country mile for years. For years, <coughs> right? They then went to David Moyes, which didn't work. Now, Moyes turned out all right, and for a bit, him at West Ham was doing really well at West Ham, and he did really well at Everton. Um, they then went to Van Hal, it didn't work. And he had a few okay moments, but a lot of it was we were calamitous at times. So then went the Mourinho, who should have been the manager probably after Ferguson left, Ferguson. really. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they didn't get him, and they then went from Mourinho, and they won a couple of trophies 
Europa League and different things. Um, FA but again, Cup maybe? Or, or League Cup or FA something? Cup, something like that. He was falling out with players. Things were starting to rot. And that was that. And then they went for Ollie, And they left it on too long. They should have went for Pochettino when they had the chance. Yeah. They let him go to PSG. So the problem at Manchester United is not is also some of the attitude of some of the players, but the most the biggest problem is what's going on above the playing staff, because it's just it just seems like a clown college. And I use that a lot. I use that for Barcelona. Look at Barcelona. I've done now with Xavi. Yeah. Made the right appointment, waited, and they're doing really well. They're trusting their youth players. Everybody talks about United trusting this youth, but they don't seem to trust them that much because. Like as well, it's even the fan base is poisonous now. When it like we're used to them being the ones that would have been like, wouldn't they give a shit about who says what rivalry's biggest? Wouldn't have cared. Yeah. And now now they they really care. They properly like that that really hurt them last week because Carragher and some journalists brought up that they think this rivalry between City and Liverpool is the greatest of the Premier League year, and it really, really wound a lot of them up and they re- lost a run of themselves. Years ago they wouldn't have cared. They'd been like Cares, look what we're going to win. There's yeah. no confidence at them. There's no swagger. United, we're used to United having a swagger. Used to seeing those because suits with the United badge on it, you know, for all the big games. Uh-huh. I always used to see them coming in and thinking, like, even though it was them, thinking, like, oof, they mean business. You, you look at them now and you go, all right, no bother. Yeah. Their signings. There's, like, there's no trophies. Ahead. That's no, why there's no trophies. There's not even a sniff of trophies. No. Um, I know they're at the Europa League final, but even that was, they somehow managed to climb that. People talk about Chelsea signing of uh, Romelu Lukaku. United signed Wamasaka and Harry Maguire. It's just been horrendous from top to bottom. The, uh, like, the Pogba situation. Paul Pogba, if he wanted to be, could be the best midfielder in the world. And sometimes he does, but it's when he's with France. Yeah. Do you know it doesn't seem to be when he's with United? There seems to just be an element that has crept in at United of I like we're untouchable. Maybe some of them think they're untouchable because of how big a name they are, what what sort of wage bracket they're on. And there's no there's literally no leadership at the top. Like Ralph Ranick sh- should well move up stairs, but then there was talk last week he wasn't even being consulted on who's going to be the next manager. He that's why he was brought in to pick to help yeah. bring in the next manager. They're 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 behaving like Liverpool in the nineties. And that's a slippery slope. Um and it took us a long time to get ourselves sorted. A long time to get ourselves sorted, and that's why they're behaving. I d I don't know how they they fix it, sorry, by appointing the right man now. This this next manager appointment, I think this has been said three or four times now. Has they have to nail it? So if it they're certain on Ten Hag, they have to go and get Ten Hag, um, and they have to back him. They have to. I don't mean by giving them a hundred and hundred fifty million. It has to be as well. Of I want to get rid of X, Y, and Z. Be that Ronaldo, Pogba, and whoever else. Maguire. They, he has to be allowed to do that. <laughs> they'll not get rid of Maguire. I don't think. <laughs> but the lad, someone in beside him, so that he doesn't have to worry <coughs> about taking the lead defending. Which is fair. Maybe they should add John Stones in because those two seem to work together when they played the Euros. Um, but you know what I mean. It has to. He has to be given sole control and to be left alone. 
Yeah, for four years. And for four years. And that means fans have to give it four years. And I know they've already given it so many years now, but they have if they don't get patience soon, this fan base, they're gonna implode. Some of them are already imploding, but they're gonna lose the run of themselves. You have to have patience. And if it is Ten Hagerford's Pochettino, it has to be given time and trust. Because as I said, those other appointments, Van Hal, Mourinho, they were all seen as we're back now because we've got these big names and we're going to go and do it. Didn't. And even Solskjaer had that win at PSG away. And then it was like, all he knows what he's at. And then he had yeah. the great away record and it was like, what actually all, he's, all he knows what he's doing. But he, like the rest of us saw it all the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's hard too when you're the fan, you've, red or blue or white or green tinted glasses and you don't see what's going on do you know what i mean it is hard like um i don't know what united do next i really don't but if they get ten hag and i said this getting, <coughs> getting ranyak in i think was great because i think what he can do upstairs away from coaching he can set processes and plans in place um for the club to move forward and if it is ten hag i think they will be on the right track but it's going to be two or three years but, but you will but see you something coming up. Like. What what you can't do is get Ten Hag and keep the rest of it the way it is currently. Like it, it can't yeah. just be like he's he's the magic solution. No. And no. once he's in place, that's it. Because yeah. those same processes that are happening right now can't continue to happen. It needs to be him being brought in and and you know the the communication to be constant basically uh, and to change from what it is now and maybe that will happen if Ragnick goes upstairs and he is it's the two of them together um coordinating things and and maybe that's what united need you know they do they do need a, a manager in place but more than that they they probably need someone of of Ragnick's capabilities and experience in that area moving up there because at the minute he's he's probably doing the wrong job um yeah. and there's somebody doing his role who who obviously doesn't know how to do it who and it's maybe being being shared by by people who aren't I I yeah i hate the term football people but you know what i mean by that like who don't no, have yeah. the yeah, they're, they're they're business people probably you know yeah. they're um... they don't seem to be very good ones <laughs> if you're looking at the, the business of winning matches horrendous. yeah but the business of making money i suppose is what they're you know another thing and... united another thing united should be doing is and i'm going to use Liverpool as an example here you don't have to go out and buy a superstar to have a superstar all right you don't like one of Liverpool's, well, you go down as one of Liverpool's best players, Genie Wijnaldum. Spot for 20, 20, 25 million from Newcastle when they were relegated. Andy Robertson was bought from Hull when they were relegated. Um, 12 million, wasn't it? 12 million, yeah. I know Van Dyke and Allison are different, right? Fabinho was for 40 million, Kaita. Firmino was p- plucked from Hoffenheim. Sadio Mane was plucked from Southampton. Yeah. Um, for 30 million, no one else was really interested. Liverpool saw something in him. Mo Salah was in Rome after trying his hand in the Premier League, and people thought, oh, not suited for him. And he comes, and well, 
not saying that now. Do you know what I mean? The, the only real ready-made superstar name Liverpool have signed in this club team um, has been Thiago. Yeah. They've spent they spent good money. They spent a lot of money on Luis Diaz. He looks like he's going to superstar. Spent good money on Jada. Nobody else wanted to touch Jada. So they have to not only get the management staff right, but whatever whoever they are using or whatever they are doing to scout their players. I'm not saying people need to lose their jobs, but I mean get someone else in that tweaks it. Like Liverpool are losing Michael Edwards this summer. Manchester United yeah. just going off for Michael Edwards, whatever he wants. To come in and work alongside Ralph Ranick. Let Ranick bring in stuff on the managerial side. Let Edwards bring in stuff on the scouting side. Do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. That's what I would do. I know Liverpool fans listening to this going, I can't believe you're saying that. But if I, I'm t- looking at this from trying to be a Man United fan, that's what I would do. Those two elements of it and what can help. They went for Toxic. They signed, say, Jared Bowen mm-hmm. in, in the summer. Start straight away. Add something straight away to that man City said. Um, trying to think you know, of just... someone. This is someone else that you know that could possibly go and get with someone. Down. I'm just looking at people down the league. Um, Calvin Phillips at Leeds. That's going to be big money, but still, it's Calvin Phillips. He's not like you're not going to sign in Paul Pot. You're not going to sign in Ferrari or whoever already made names. You're saying I know he is already made, but he's not on the world stage yet. But he could yeah. be. I mean, you're sensible and smart about it. Like, you're paying probably, I don't know if if Moise's valuation is right, but for Rice, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to be paying. Yeah, but Rice is, if I was United, Calvin Phillips is the better option. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the, the more sensible, probably, alternative, because it looks like he. He could get to near that level if you know, if not, if not that level of rice, because I just think it's, it's unrealistic that you're going to get Declan Rice, especially you know, if West Ham finish above United this year. Why would they? Why would they sell him the United? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, you go and get someone like Lamptey. Mm-hmm. You go and look at Max Kilman. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You go and look at um, what do you call him? Uh. Plays midfield for Aston Villa. Uh, Jacob John Ramsey. Again? Jacob Ramsey. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if Everton do go down. Mitchell at, at yeah, Crystal Palace. If, if, if Everton do go Connor Gallagher, Crystal Palace. No. Mark Gehi, I know what you mean. If Everton do go down for Toxic, Calvert Lewin as your number yeah. nine. Like, you yeah, can tell makes, things aren't right for Calvert Lewin at Everton, but Calvert Lewin on form, he's already shown that. Calvert-Lewin's a great player. Some people like this, do you know what I mean? Look, look at Arsenal. Arsenal went and got Aaron Ramsdale and he's made such a massive difference to them. Yeah. Got him. Do you know, that's what United need to start doing. Never worry about Ronaldo, Pogba. Ferran has been, he's been hitting or miss. People like this, Jadon Sancho, again, hit or miss, but he will come good, don't get me wrong. But go out and get these players I play in the Premier League or from a, at the minute or to bracket down, you'd say from elite level. But have the capabilities to go right to the top? Some of these players, that I don't, yeah. I don't understand why they don't do that and haven't been doing that. That's what United United used to always do that. The best thing, say English or whatever talent was in the league. All right, you come to us. So Andy yeah. Cole, bang, racist history. Wayne Rooney, bang, racist history. Rio Ferdinand, 
rest is history. Yeah. They just stopped. I know they went out. They went out. They'll always have the Harry Maguire tag against them, right? Which, whatever. But there was obviously other better and safer, more sensible options in there, but they yeah, just didn't. He wasn't, they went and spent he the wasn't big the money. Best. The, no. Um, but that's what they need to do. And whether they do it or not, I don't know. But if they don't and they go keep going on a slippery slope, I don't know what's going to happen. But it's such a weird one. But you no, know, it's not Bruno Fernandez's fault. No, he's not being petulant. I just think he's fed up um, with what's been going on. And it, United, to me, look like they just want to go on holidays now at the minute, yeah. which uh, I uh, totally get can, from them. Like you, you can tell that they're yeah, they're not in anything basically, um, no. and that. <laughs> for a club like United, that whole argument of, um, oh, they, they're they're not in anything else, so they can just focus on the league. I don't think that that plays out in reality. I think the the more focused you are, you know, for a Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday, yeah, you know, like is it, it, far better at this stage of the season. It keeps you on your toes, um, because that's what those players are used to. Like players of that level would be used to playing games. Like if you just think of Ronaldo, like he, you know, in in most of his seasons, he's getting to latter stages of of Champions Leagues, you know, League Cups, FA Cups, um, equivalent in in different countries. Like and that's what'll drive them on and keep them at that level for the league as well. Like so, mm-hmm. I don't buy into that. Um, maybe for a club like Tottenham, but I don't mean that as a as a slight against Tottenham. Like I just mean, yeah. The it looks as if they're coming good from just focusing on the league. It's probably especially because Conte is just getting his into his managerial groove at Tottenham, and it's a good time for them to have have time to work on things on the training ground. And then you can see that it's actually working at the weekends. Um, so there's a there's a clear contrast there. The other. I know we're over an hour now, but the other question we got was, I don't know if we want to address it or if we want to leave it for, for Cousin Mud, but um, was it about Tottenham and, and if they can win the league next year? <coughs> if Tottenham can win the league next year? Yeah. Um, let me just, no, let me just... because I think they'll probably lose Harry Kane in the summer, to be honest. Let me just double check. How that was phrased because I think, even though I've just said they should go look at players that are maybe a, a caliber below, they'll probably United will probably go to the front for for Carrie Kane if City get Haaland, yeah. Um, which would be an unbelievable yeah. sign, don't get me wrong, I, that'll just piss all over what I've just said, <laughs> yeah. But behind that, but I think there, like there's, I said, there's exceptions, yeah. Like they should be yeah. looking as well just on the United, they should be looking across the likes of like Serie A, Ligue 1, um, Germany for players that are coming through at, at the right age bracket between 21 to 23, 24 that are ready to come in and then build something around that. Like if it's Ten Hag, he'll bring in someone like Graven if he can. If Gravenbrach hasn't actually gone to Bayern Munich, say for instance, he'll bring Gravenbrach. Or or Anthony the the flying forward for them, which will make such could make such a difference to United, and they aren't household names yet. But <laughs> after a season or two, they certainly will be. Yeah, um, it was Wolfie underscore B can can Spurs win the ben. league next season? Is it? He's Spurs fan. Yeah, 
He's a big Spurs fan. Can they? I don't think so, Benjamin, because uh, I do think you'll lose Kane in the summer. And it wouldn't surprise me, despite the way things are going, if Conte went somewhere in the summer. Um, Oof, that'll, be a, that'll be a hit. If there was a job up for him at a very big club in Madrid or a very well wealthy club in France, um, I think he'd be one of the runners for that. Um, things are going well for Conte at the minute, but he's had his moments this season where <laughs> he's ready to kill Um yeah, people are within Spurs, so <clears throat> Daniel Levy most notably. So yeah, as well as Spurs are playing and they are Son and Kane together is ridiculous. Um, no, I don't think um they can challenge for the league next year. I think I, I think Liverpool and City are not good to shape, barring injuries that that'll be between those two again next year, and whatever Chelsea can do in the transfer window if. They can't do anything in the transfer window. And if Thomas Tuchel's still there, who, by the way, Tuchel doesn't get enough credit for how much of a man he is. Like, I'm not, I don't just mean not a man, I don't mean the man he much, sorry, much of a human he is, and much of a good mm. human he is. The man yeah. has had to carry a football club on his back whilst going through a divorce. My worst, and I said, my worst nightmare is your sister divorced. That is my worst nightmare. And I could, you could, Fuck a burr into this kitchen with me right now, and I would rather face that than a divorce. That is the worst <laughs> nightmare. Tuchel, who managed to last year finally, finally win the Champions League and be crowned like European and then world champion, and for all the talent that he has, finally have one because his talent deserves it. And then for this shit show to land on him, whatever's going on personally in his life, we don't know. And there's two, it always takes two sides to tango and a divorce. We don't need to know, we shouldn't even know what he's going through, but we do because newspapers, yeah. um, certainly rags, sorry, um, tabloids are full of dickheads that have to find stories in this and that. And for him, the, the way he's carrying himself and the way he's going about things, and you'd exactly. never hear him complaining, you never hear him complaining. Like, you, you don't like, I would be like this, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to cope, I wouldn't have the stones or. The capability to cope with what he's been going through. People say, oh, he's getting very well paid for it, but that's a bullshit argument. But just like on him, he, we'll matter. talk about Tuchel at the end of the season, we'll do a review, but wherever Chelsea land, I think they'll land third. I do think tomorrow night's going to be, uh, I think that's going to be dust owed. But um, yeah, they could win Never an out. FA Cup, which would be great. An FA Cup, that means he'll have done, he'll just need the league cup then to complete the league and the league cup to complete the lot within two seasons. Not bad. Um, but yeah, just on, I just want to touch on two. I want to touch on the start of the show and I forgot, but what he's been going through is just not, and how he's handled himself is just been a credit, like in fair play to him. Um, yeah, we'll move on from football, Brenton quickly. It was yes. been a long podcast night folks, but you've earned it and we've earned it. Um, the masters, I don't. I'm not a fan of Scotty Scheffler because he I, he doesn't excite me. He's absolutely ridiculous at golf, <laughs> and I wish I had his um, calmness and his presence to just soldier on in life. Because I freak out about three hundred times a day, um, and he just doesn't seem to be phased. But and I say this, I tweeted this last night. I think you saw it. There's there, one of the greatest things in sports 
is when Rory McIlroy's on the charge. And I'm talking, yeah. this is coming from someone that watches far too much sports, that watches road, motorbike road racing and stands if he can, if I can, on the fastest part of a track so I can see them come past nearly 200 miles an hour. Football, I'm into everything. But that is one of my top three greatest things in sport because, and I, like Brent knows, I can't even watch it because I, I think I jinx him. So I don't even watch it. I just have it on Twitter or have Brenton telling tell me updates or have someone else telling me updates or have the radio on in the background where I can vaguely hear it and all you can hear what's going on. It is frightening. And yesterday he didn't win it. And people, there's Rory haters for whatever reason out there. But um, I hope he can look back at this and go, right, Augusta, I fucking slapped you silly. I'm going to 64. You don't annoy me anymore. And the next one's the PGA on the 16th of May here. And I hope, no, is it 16th? No, I think it's the 19th. Starts the 19th, yeah. 30th as well. Hope and hope and pray he comes up to it and wins it. Because he's deserved, like the last many years have been torture for all of us. Mostly him. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, he's playing it, but torture for the rest of us. And Joe Malloy off the ball tweeted last week. This is why we'll never quit the new Rory. Yeah, because it yeah. like it, Brent, it, like you can talk now. It is so unbelievable at times watching what he can do with the golf ball. And I know it's only golf, but it is absolutely just mm. breathtaking. It it, <clears throat> it feels so different with him, and it, it's I think it's because he's. He's such a good. He's human. Um, yeah, he, he's so good at just telling us how he's feeling all the time. And it, as you say, like he has his haters because because of that reason as well. Because it comes back to haunt him because he lets us in so much to what he's thinking, and he's so honest. And you know, he's always available. He's obviously the um, players representative on on the council now. So you know, he's always public facing um he's you know he tells you what's going on after a round before a round in his press conferences that's why he's one of the during best around. in golf yeah during during around too um and that's why every you know it doesn't matter but i think it's more for us because we're Irish, because we're northern Irish, because you know um whatever way you want to call it um and but even like the the vast majority of people there yesterday um wanted Rory McIlroy to, to win the Masters just and they're, and they're American do you know what I mean like and Scotty Scheffler's sitting there um as a first time major winner and not taking anything away from Scotty because he probably if McIlroy did win it you know Scotty would go on as you say like nothing seems to phase him he'll, he'll go on and win tournaments and, and probably majors too um, but because it was a, because it was Augusta, because it was a Grand Slam attempt for McIlroy, and I, 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 I just want to believe that he still will get one. And yesterday, you know, made me believe even more because I think he, in his, his post round interview, you know, he, he he did say he woke up and he just thought, why not me? And if he can have that attitude going into I think he only needs two rounds like that. He's that good. Yeah. Because he, he only he, needs to be two or three behind. 
on a Sunday, yeah. and he can blow you blow blow the field to pieces. Yeah, blow like if I know it's just stupid. Um, was it somebody said to me the other day? If your granny had wheels, to be a wheelchair. But if <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? If 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 he'd have been, uh, that's a great line by the way. If he'd have been on say, uh, what 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 Sheffield start off ten under? Yeah. Yesterday, so if say if Rory was on seven under already, he absolutely <clears> hoaxed <throat> him. People say, yeah. "I but would he have though?" Because when he got level, he'd have fallen apart. I I just want to believe. Maybe this is a romantic. I mean that yesterday he wouldn't have because he was on. He was just he that one where he uh, managed to get a par. Um, but he just looked unstoppable. He just looked. He looked like the Rory. That was ripping through majors to win those four majors. Like this man has won four majors, and people call him a ball sorts. I know. Four fucking yeah. majors, and people call him like, "Oh, he's bottler. He hasn't got it." You try and win a fucking golf tournament, never mind four majors. Try and yeah. try and actually get a par in a golf hole. Get a par in yeah. a golf hole or a birdie, and then we can talk. Because I, you know what I mean. If the the day I actually don't have uh, bruised ribs, which <coughs> by the way, I need to talk to your brother because one of them's sticking out. But we'll sort that out afterwards. Huh. Um, nice. When I am able to swing and and get back to it, I'm going to go back and play golf and see if I ever get a birdie. I have no trousers on. My, I'll I take know. my trousers off if I get a birdie it's, on a on a real it's golf. So course. hard. It, it, I mean? It's like, just it, it's and it's also it's so individual. Like um, yeah, Sky Sports had had Harry Kane on. I don't know if you saw it for um uh a little um sort of prediction um just talking to him about his golf and stuff. Like he's he's pretty good golfer himself, Harry. Um, of course, but it's it's the it's the end of like he said. The only thing you can compare it to is, is a taking a penalty or a penalty shootout. Like you know, it's all on you. Everybody's watching you. And he said every shot. Yeah, even now, and especially if you're somebody like Tiger Woods or like Rory McIlroy, it just they follow you just because they love you, and it adds yeah. more pressure. <clears throat> and you know, Harry even was saying that. The, the thousands of people that watch him every week um and if he goes to tee off on a um on the first tee and there's like more than five or ten people there he, he basically he didn't say shits himself but basically that's what he was saying because it, it, it's just it's quiet and solely on you and every little detail of your swing and your feet, if they move and, and oh, his hands were too high. And, you know, it's so, it's broken down so much. And to go out and shoot a bogey-free 64 in the final round of the Masters, <laughs> it was just, it was it was really special. Like, it was, it, it was we're talking about a wave, waves of attacks um, that Man City had against Liverpool. Like, the, the wave of just sheer will for McIlroy to to get there um was amazing and on only a thing it was it was class him and Morikawa um oh, they did that twice with Morikawa they got an eagle together as well yeah um, so obviously those two have to play each other in the Ryder Cup um <clears throat> but like Rory like if if that was a one off Rory absolutely smashed Sheffer yes do you know Sheffer only had to really get round and, and consolidate a lead yeah Rory was steep like. Rory gets at the eight. I know he gets seven. He gets at the eight under. It'd be interesting to see what Sheffer does then, because then Sheffer had his wobble. This is Rory got the six under, and mm. it was like, oh, here we go. And I know Cameron Smith, um, God love him, com- had a complete, 
melter head melt which was just so unfortunate like i mean he's going to be a superstar too i think he's going to be one that could potentially garner a huge fan base because of just who how he is yeah um, he's different yeah he is different like um but uh to see roy do that and, and to get that score and you could just tell when he dropped that in on the 18th just there's a lot of emotion came out of him. there's a lot of relief yeah and, I, and as I said at the start of it, I know other people have tweeted about it and talked about it and wrote about it. You hope that's the moment in his head now where he's like, yeah, why not me? Yeah. The fact that he told himself, why not me, and then went and did that. Like If he's dialed in, <coughs> and, and this isn't, all right, we are, we run a Rory McIlroy fan club ourselves, the, the football babble, this is me and you doing this. Um, you're a chairman and I'm the treasurer. But if he's dialed in, for the next major, no one's getting near him. No, there's no one better. There's no one as good as him. He's he is the most talented golfer in the field. Spieth's brilliant. Spieth dropped way off. Yeah, Spieth has that in him too. Where there's things he can do is just. Um, Shane Laurie's unbelievable. Um, with the irons, like it's frightening yeah. what she and Shane like a third. Like, that's class too. I know he wanted brilliant. better, and I know he had his. Moments with both, and obviously they're very close, so I'm sure. But it's just pure frustration because I think Shane felt like the Masters was there for him to win, which is some yeah. position to be in. It's it's class too. Um, but when like there there is no one as talented enough. Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, let's take him out of that. Like this man <laughs> almost lost a leg. Um, but the, the rest of them, I'm sorry, but there isn't, and that's not me being bashed. There's no one as good. <laughs> Scheffler's maybe at calmer, yes. But talent-wise, yeah. no. Nah. And that's the thing with some of the American golfers. I love Brooks Kopka. He's my favorite after Rory. Love him. But a lot of them are just just so like cloned out of golf school. Yeah. Like it's just like Dustin Johnson. I know he has a bit of a persona now and different things, but I always found him boring years ago. Always just like whatever DJ. You know, Justin Thomas never really appealed to me. Cantley. Yeah. You know, oh, Cantley's the worst. Don't appeal to me. Like, this is, we're not even getting into the fucking Egypts. Excuse my language of Phil Mickelson and Bubba Watson. Do you know what I mean? We're not even like, yeah. um, but yeah, whereas it's it's the fact that Rory wears everything on his, the heart and his sleeve, the emotions, the that moment that they open uh, Royal Port Rush where yeah. he, he just couldn't do it. And then, like, even yesterday when he almost. Had a birdie on fifteen, was it? Fifteen, yeah. and the photo of him hunched over, and the commentator said, "Thought Roy doesn't care." Do you know, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, that's it. So when he's in that form, he just and and I find myself as well. I'm, I know we've talked for almost an hour and a half, twenty minutes here. When he's not in the mix, I struggle to stay fo- totally focused on the major unless something mental's happening. Yeah. Yeah, no, if, if it's not, he's the needle. He's definitely the he needle. I know needle. people said. I know people said Woods is the needle, and you know it was unbelievable what he did this week, coming back and and playing all four rounds, just superhuman. But there's Tiger Woods is is not going to be playing the amount of golf that, that Tiger Woods has played before, and he's only going to play the majors, be, isn't he? Yeah, basically, there needs to be somebody who's. Who and uh, to be honest, McElroy and Reality has already stepped into that, and the everything's there. Um, everything was there 
apart from you know the the Magloire that we know from like 2012 2014 when he was winning his majors and and yesterday that seems to be back and that's why everyone is so excited like that whole persona that whole human side to him the wearing the heart and the sleeve is is all there it's always there but if, if that comes back that side of him like it's it's just brilliant for golf and the you know the i can't remember what major it was but it's uh people always quote that when um jp said to him maybe on the on the on the back nine on one of his majors about before he had a shot he was sort of questioning himself and jp said to him like you're Rory fucking McElroy. and and that was it like and it was it was like that that's what reminded me when he said yesterday why not me because of who he is and how good he is and he's the best when he said when he yeah. said that if he if he can win a major this year and then go back in the next year and go after the grand slam <sighs> like he's the Sorry. type of and we're going to finish up now and i think if he wins if he wins the next one don't be surprised if he wins one of the last two as well yeah yeah, he's that sort of, and then and then you're going into like 2012, 14 year again where he just wins a couple off of it, and like this is a man that has or, he's same age as me, thirty three, he's won already four majors. There's still like ten yeah. so years of golf left in him. Good, good golf. More ten, yeah. ten, twelve years of golf left in him. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. So yeah, it's. I mean, I hope he maintains it. I hope it comes back. Um, it's exciting and. That is very exciting. Like, and obviously because he's from here, there's more to it for us. But it's been brilliant. Like, um, but folks, I think that'll do us for uh, tonight's podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. If you listened to all of it, I uh, really appreciate it. If you can follow us on Football Bubble Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for everyone that got involved on Twitter and Instagram with questions and stuff. Really appreciate that. If you see the podcast on our socials, do me a favor as well as clicking in to listen and subscribe, retweet it. And just get it out there so that more of your mates listen to it and the listenership keeps building. Um, because this is certainly something that I it is a hobby, but I love doing it and I want to do it for the rest of my days as well as long as I can. Uh keep doing it. Um so yeah, really, really appreciate that. If you have a Patreon and you want to help the podcast as well, go on over to patreon.com forward slash football babble and donate whatever you can. We have it set at one pound a month, which is nothing like um, but we really, really appreciate that. And um, yeah, hope you've enjoyed your football the weekend. Hope you've enjoyed the rest of European action coming up. We will all be in well. Have a about a TNB coming up uh, on Thursday. We'll let you know more about that. But if not, we'll keep you in, uh, in touch and chat you again soon. Good luck.